0: Well, good evening to each one. Again, I greet you in Jesus' name. It's a blessing to be with you here. It has been a blessing to be with you here this uh, this day, and share these thoughts from Scripture with you. Again, as I look out and see the folks sitting here tonight, I don't make any apology for what you may or may not have heard from me preaching already. Uh, one brother came to me tonight. Uh, Brother Marlon Good back there, if you know who he is. And he told me I preached that message to him the second time. Uh, And I know that, but I don't make apology for that. Um, When you're planning these meetings, you... Well, seek the direction from God. And when they ask for suggestions, this is where my mind and my heart went. And for a couple of reasons, some of these some of these things are pretty personal with me. Some are pretty close. Uh, some I have struggled long and hard with in my life. Thinking of the one, the second message this morning, the struggle inwardly of the flesh versus the spirit. And now tonight, thinking about the battle without. Ephesians six. Says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And our brother already said that we are in a warfare, and there are battles without. And a lot of these battles that happen around us are taking place in the heavenlies and I don't know if we fully realize exactly what all is happening around us. The battle without. It is that conflict between light and darkness. It is the conflict between righteousness and unrighteousness. I was thinking this afternoon about that verse in one of the Gospels where the disciples went out. And they came back, it says, says, rejoicing that even the devils are subject unto us. And Jesus said, rejoice not that the devils are subject unto you, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And so I was thinking about that verse and thinking about some of these stories that I have listed here at the beginning. And so I want to share them carefully. I don't want to share them in in a rejoicing type way. I share them because they helped to lay a foundation for what we're looking at tonight. And also share them realizing the blessing we have of knowing Jesus Christ personally. And what influence he can have in our lives. And what lostness we are without him. You all know Charles Heatwell. Probably most of you. Some of you anyway. Some of you visitors may not. He was the director of the L.A. Street Meetings. For quite a few years. I don't know how long his time spanned during his time there, but someone asked him on one of the last years he was director. In all the years that you've been coming to LA and you've been involved in street evangelism, what have you seen changed in society and culture on the streets? He said, one of the biggest things I see is a greater distance between right and wrong, between light and darkness, between good and evil. Uh, There's a larger and larger gulf being fixed and spanning there. And that's been at least 15, 17 years ago probably. And so can you imagine how much more the separation these days between light and darkness. I was involved in the first group in L.A. that went into the section of Hollywood. Uh, we, We had a larger group, and we were trying to find different places to go in L.A. where we could hand out literature and sing. And someone suggested the area of Hollywood going there And so Brother Charles sent a group of us there, myself included, and we went there. We walked up into Hollywood, and I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, but they call what they call the Walk of Fame, and as you're walking up the street, there's those stars in the sidewalk, and they all have the names of these famous people uh, listed there. And we walked up through that and we found a spot that we thought would be a good place to sing and to start handing out literature so we started doing that and we weren't there very long and someone in patrol came around and said you're not allowed to be here okay we understand that well what do we need to be able to be here well you need a permit to be able to sing and to hand out literature here well where do we get our permit it's down the street about a block so we went down the street and we, re, we, we inquired about having a permit so we could sing, hand out literature, and they asked what we were doing. We told them that we were Christians, we were presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ, we were singing, and they said, well, here in Hollywood, uh, we, we allow nothing religious to happen. Uh, but they were nice enough to say, now if you go out of this here area and down the street a little ways, that's public property and you can do whatever you want to there. So that's what we did. I want you to remember that nothing religious. And I forget how many years later, maybe just a year later, we were back in Hollywood. And the date was June the 6th of 2006. So if you do the math, that's 666. And it so happens that during our time there, it was over those days, and the Church of Satan was holding a convention in Hollywood. And they had pretty much taken over the area where they said nothing religious was allowed for their convention. And they were doing all kinds of abominable things there. And the next day in the newspaper, there was an article about it. And one of the things that had happened there during their convention is they were selling deeds to a square foot of hell. And it said out of fun, and maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, I don't know nothing religious darkness it was easy to spot these followers of satan this church this convention that was going it was easy to spot the followers they were dressed in black they had chains hanging from them bodies tattooed and if you understand this what i mean all their faces were or ashen and pale comes from drugs. And as we were down on the streets singing, these people would walk past and they would look and they would laugh. And they would say, when you're done your chanting, when you're done your incantations, come up and join us in the bar for something to drink. Brother Lester Heat will... I'm sorry, Brother Lester Troyer was there that year. And on his flight out, he had sat beside one of these people. And he wrestled within himself about sharing the gospel with this person. Maybe he met him in the baggage claim, I'm not sure. Somewhere on his flight out, he met one of these people and he he failed to present him the gospel. And he said, Lord, if you give me one more chance, I'll do that and he met that same person on the streets in Hollywood and had his opportunity, but again got laughed at, mocked. I have memories of the street meetings of, people walking by the group some of you know this you've been there walking by the group and folks will blatantly out loud hail the name of satan and one day there was a man walking past the group and about 15 feet on this side he threw back his head and he started to just what i call roar all the way past the group till he's about 15 feet on this side A scream. I was handing out literature in Hollywood down close to a Starbucks coffee shop. And this group of people walked up. And again, they were these pale, ashened-faced young people. Smelled of marijuana. This one young man came to him and he said, Would you be my friend? Now, when you're on the streets of Hollywood, that could mean most anything. But I said, well, I would be glad to be your friend, but the friend you really need is Jesus Christ. And when I said I'd be glad to be your friend, he, he jumped up in the air and he said, yes, I have one friend in this world. And about that time, his friends grabbed a hold of him and drug him into the coffee shop. And he turned around and looked at me, kind of laughed, and he said, You can see I'm in bondage. And I could see that. There in Hollywood is a, is a place called the Chinese Theater. It's up a ways from where the group's standing, and one time the Literature coordinator came to me and he said, "He said I've been sending people up beside the Chinese theater and, and they don't like it very well up there for a number of reasons. He said, would you take uh, some literature and go up there and hand out and just see what you think? And I made a mistake. I should have taken somebody with me. I went by myself. I walked up there and stood outside this Chinese theater and it's a place you can almost feel, oh, by the way, this Chinese theater is where the Church of Satan held their convention years earlier. There's a place there where you could almost feel the oppression and the darkness. And I remember standing there by myself with my little handful of tracks and CDs. And I prayed and I said, God, would you just radiate enough light out of my life that somebody would accept the gospel message? And I stood there for 15 or 20 minutes, person after person, presenting the gospel message, and nothing, nothing. Maybe one person, I'm not sure, but very little. I remember when my wife and I went for the first time, or else it was the time we were there when we were dating, I'm not sure, Uh, We were out on the street corner outside of a jewelry store or some kind of store. And a man came out and he was going to have his cigarette break. And he stood there and he tried to light his cigarette. And I'm watching this and he tries to light it and tries to light it and tries to light it. And it didn't light. And I found out later that my wife who had her back to him, was praying that his cigarette wouldn't light. (laughs) And we walked away, back up the street, and I turned around, and he had it lit. The very first time on my streets of Broadway, Uh, right before I left to go to L.A., had a little accident at work and had a big old brush burn on the side of my face. And it was scarred pretty ugly. And this man walked up to me and he said, uh, if you give me a couple cents, he said, I'll remove that scar from your face. And this man had been sneaking around. Uh, he had caused the group a little bit of trouble and... When he came up and said that to me, this was, this was new to me. I was young, new in the streets, and it, it actually it scared me pretty bad. He said, I'll remove that scar from your face. And I was with an older, more experienced fella, and he turned around and looked at him in the face, and he said, no. And the man just kind of disappeared. I, I mean, he walked away, but he left very quickly. And I don't tell you those things because I'm trying to lift up our group or our work or anything like that. But I tell you that because I want you to get a small picture of the battle that is without. The conflict between light and darkness. And it's a battle that is real. It's a conflict that is real. It's a battle that rages in the heavenlies, and I wonder what is our responsibility as Christians in the midst of all that darkness? What is our responsibility? Do we carry any responsibility? The very God who said, Let there be light, couldn't He let a light shine in darkness that would totally obliterate all the darkness? I believe He could. But He chose human vessels. And that's you, and that's me. And so, what is our responsibility? I was sitting at my desk a number of months ago, it's probably been a year or more ago now, and I got a text message from a fellow minister from one of our churches. And he said, There's someone from the community that has been attending our church for a few services. He said, please pray for the man's salvation. He seems to be in an intense spiritual battle. And I asked myself, what is my responsibility to a man who is in an intense spiritual battle? Does our church have something to offer someone like that? Someone who is facing... This battle between light and darkness may be in the middle. And I guess that's the burden of the message this evening. Ephesians 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Following those verses is the armor that the Christian is to put on. As he goes into battle. And this morning we looked a little bit at flesh and we looked a little bit at spirit. Tonight I would like to spend a little bit of time and look at darkness and look at light. And the prophets foretold of of this these days back in Isaiah chapter 60. Arise shine for the light is come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Isaiah 9, 2. The people that walk in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. And they were looking forward to this day when there was going to come a light that would shine into the darkness. The darkness that was covering the earth. The darkness that had blinded the minds of the people. The darkness that had deceived. There is coming a time, there is coming one who can shine light into that darkness. And we find a fulfillment of that in Luke. There was an old man in the temple. And when Jesus was born he said these words. Of the tender mercy of our God by which the day spring from on high hath visited us. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. And the father of John the Baptist. Said a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And today. Today. We're in a world that is lost in darkness. The light has come. The light has come. There is a light that can shine into the darkness. There is that glorious gospel message. Why then is all around us the darkness ever deepening? Why is it getting darker and darker? I think there are a few reasons for that. Let's look at the darkness for a little bit. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Why is the darkness around us ever deepening? Verse 1, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness or handing the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And so this message of light, this revelation of light, is going out. And if our message, if our light is hid, is hid to them that are lost because there is one out there blinding the minds of its followers. Did you know that Satan also has a doctrine of nonconformity? Satan longs for his followers to not be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, to that glorious gospel message. And so he blinds their minds. And so one of the reasons why the darkness around us is ever deepening is because Satan is blinding their minds. And the glorious gospel message is being stopped because he is a deceiver and he is a blinder. And I've wondered in recent years, I hate to even bring this up anymore, but you think about what we went through with the whole issue of COVID and the intense fear that went through society. And why why is society so fearful? If you were in an intensely dark place and you had no light to go forward and you could not see very far into the distance, wouldn't you be a little fearful? And so does it, does it really wonder you why society is so fearful when things like these pandemics come and there are so many unknowns and there is, there is no light to lighten the path and Satan is laughing and he has people right where he wants them because they are blinded, they cannot see, they, they have no hope and so the only thing they have is fear. It's probably intense fear. And they ask questions. What's going to happen to this country? What's going to happen to me? What's my children finally going to have to see? I have to have answers. I want answers. But blinded, darkness and fear. One of the reasons why the darkness is ever deepening is because Satan has blinded the minds of his followers. Number two reasons why the darkness is ever deepening around us comes from John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 18. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. One of the reasons why darkness is ever deepening is because men love darkness. They love to have it so. They love to back themselves into the shadows and hide in the darkness. They love to stay away from the light. That very thing that is going to manifest their deeds, what they are doing. The very thing that's going to expose them, they're hiding from. Hiding from the light hiding in the darkness, and they love to have it so. Another reason why the darkness around us is ever deepening, I took this from John chapter 1, and I hope I'm not doing injustice to scripture here, but it comes closer to the burden of the message this evening. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The darkness did not understand the light. Therefore, verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. One of the reasons why the darkness around us is ever deepening is because there are those that do not or cannot comprehend the light. Satan is desperately trying to blind their minds, and when the light is shining, they don't understand. They cannot comprehend. And the same as God sent John to bear witness of that light. I think God has intended for Christians to bear witness of that light. So that when that light shines into darkness, those that are seeing the light can understand the light and can comprehend the light. But it's going to take Christians who understand the light to explain it, to live it, to show it, to be light themselves. So where are the churches? You know, folks are are looking for real spiritual life and light within a church. They're not looking for spiritually impotent churches. They're looking for churches that have something to offer. Is your church, is your community here? When they look at your church, can they see spiritual life flowing out of it. Can they see the light of Jesus Christ being exemplified by your life? Are they seeing that in your church? Are they seeing a church that is not blown around with every wind of doctrine? Are they seeing a church that has the light, that can see into the future, that knows where it's headed, that has hope, And leading a solid path. Not one that is going all different directions. But knows where it is headed. And doing it confidently. Are they comprehending the light? And it would be a sad commentary of the church. If the light is shining in darkness. And the darkness is not comprehending the light. So what then, what then does the church have to offer? What do you have as Christians have to offer the darkness? What is our responsibility? When we sense the war around us, the light, the battle between light and darkness, what can we do? Number one, I'm not going to spend much time on this point, but know and love the source of light, Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to spend much time there because I feel like we've been spending some time there in the other two messages. Knowing Jesus Christ in a personal way, that personal life and light flowing out of your life, the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in you, and Empowering your life. Know and love the source of life. Light, Jesus Christ. And when we know Jesus Christ, and when the spirit of life found in Jesus Christ is flowing out of our lives, our lives will radiate light. Our lives will be something that are as a drawing effect because we know and we love the source of light to Jesus Christ. And we'll have a drawling effect. Number two. I think we need to hear and recognize the pleas and the cries of anguish that are in the dark. You know, so many times we can go our way, we can get busy, we can do our things, we can travel here and there, and we just don't take the time to think about Those that are sitting in darkness. You know, I know there are those that love their darkness. I know there are those that withdraw from the light. But there are those that are seeing light that are wanting to comprehend. There are those that are sitting in darkness longing for something different. Longing to be rid of their fear and their unknowns and to have a hope. And have you heard their plea and their cry? Coming from the shadows. Are you gripped with the reality of their eternal destiny if they die in darkness? And over the years, people have gone to great extent to try to visualize with words the reality of hell. And I'm not sure we can really do that. Because how do you describe the absence of God or his presence? You can't really put that into words. The absence of God and his presence how do you describe the indignation and the fury and the wrath of an almighty God poured out on unrepentant sinners? And how do you describe mental and emotional and physical pain with no drugs to deaden it? And how do you describe all of that for eternity? I think the Bible is descriptive enough. Sometime you want to take the time you can look through your scripture. And you can read its descriptive language about the the destination of the damned. And allow it to grip your heart. Because there are thousands dying, millions dying without the gospel. And do we have any responsibility for that? You're not going to save everyone. But do we live with that reality? The reality that there is those dying. You know, when we read that story of the rich man and Lazarus, and the rich man says in hell, lifting up his eyes in torment And the cry that he's crying to Abraham. We read that as a singular account. But it is an account that is repeating itself. Many, many, many times daily. Minutes. Every second. It's a story that's repeating itself. It's not just one account from long ago. Millions. And as Christians, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, and we've no less praise to, days to sing God's praise than when we first begun, our heart thrills with that thought. But there are those who have died in darkness, and they have no less days than when they first begun to experience the wrath of Almighty God wrath to come and that has to grip our hearts as we think about those that are sitting in darkness where life will just go on and we will go about our ways and we won't think about the people around us that are sitting in darkness all scenes of life we can find this You could go many places in this world tonight and you you could find a young lady crying in her pillow because she just allowed the life of her unborn child to be taken from her. And now the guilt and now the shame and now the misery. Do you hear those cries from the darkness? In the back alleys of our cities, men, women huddled in agony as their bodies are craving the next fix. Do you hear those cries from the darkness? Corporate America is getting bigger and it's getting larger and we have more and more billionaire CEOs And they're worth billions. They sit surrounded in luxury. But I wonder if at night they don't sit with their head in their hands. And long for something that they don't even know what. Every day they're driven for innovation and excellence. And I wonder if every night's not the reality of emptiness and despair. Is there ever a longing in your heart for that kind of position? Maybe there should be a longing in your heart to hear the cries that come from that darkness. And maybe 35,000 feet in the air, there's flying a private jet. And there's a celebrity or a politician on that jet And now they're away from the public eye and they're trying to relax. But that one tormenting thought keeps going through their mind. What if the public finds out? What if the public finds out? My image is ruined. What if the public finds out? All around us, there's cries from the darkness. Do you hear them? And we could find this anguish. We could find these cries in all scenes of life. I just mentioned a few. But they're there. And they're... That song we sing sometimes, millions are dying without the gospel. All scenes of life. And if we're going to be... engaged in this battle, we're going to have to understand those cries. Number three. We need to recognize that we, I, you, are ambassadors of the light. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 18. All things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. You are an ambassador of the light. Jesus, in John chapter 8, said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. I am come, a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me, sh- excuse me should not abide in darkness. Jesus is the light. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. But now Jesus is not in the world in a physical way. Who is the light of the world? Matthew chapter 5. I want to kind of use an extended illustration here to make this point. Now, it's easier to make this point because it's dark outside. And so I want you to think about, we are in a room here, and there's light. But think about it in a, in a spiritual light. These lights are off. But this room is lit and glowing. Why is this room lit and glowing? This room is lit and glowing because... Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill, a candle. And this room is glowing because you have the light of Jesus Christ shining out of your life. And so it's light in here. But outside, it is dark. Very dark. And I'm not just talking about the darkness that you'll experience when you walk out these doors. I'm talking about the kind of darkness that is absent of all light. I don't know if we can close to experience darkness you could feel. Remember the plagues of Egypt when the darkness fell? It says they could feel the darkness. And I don't think they could hardly rise out of their beds because of the darkness, so intense. Now I was in a very dark room one time. It was in a basement of a house. It was in the back at the back of a hall and in that room there were no windows. And I lay down in that bed at night and the light went out and it was dark. You know, it was kind of amusing to me because, you know, I took my hand and I put it right here in front of my face. and went like that and you couldn't see it. It was dark. I can't really say you could feel the darkness, but it was dark. And one night I had my computer running in the room there. And my computer has a little pinprick of a light on it that says it's on. And that little light just made that whole room glow just a little bit just that one little light but we're talking about a darkness when I say it's dark outside I'm talking about a darkness that is darker than that a darkness that can be felt very dark so dark that you do not want to walk out there because it is dark in here is light and there are those out there that are sitting in that darkness And they're looking to this building, and they're seeing a light. And they're seeing light flowing out the windows, and they're wondering, it's so dark out here. Where is that light coming from, and what does it mean? And so they carefully make their way from the darkness toward the light, and they come into your church building, and it's light, and they can see. And maybe they sit in the back of the church and they're taking in this light and the service is over and the Christians leave and now they're sitting all alone and in this building again it's very dark in here. And maybe because it's dark they sit there till the following week when the Christians come back. And now they're starting to realize, they're starting to put something together. This building is not light because of something that's in the building. This building is light because of the people that are in it. They make that connection. And so they maybe they start having a conversation with you about your life. What brings this light? Why do you people have light and we're sitting in darkness? And maybe through that conversation, you invite them back to your house. And they go back to your house and they experience light there. And so now they know that wherever these Christians are, there is light. Suppose tonight that the light that shone out of your life was dependent upon the vibrancy of your Christian life. Suppose the only way to brighten that light would be to feed the spirit part of our life like we talked about this morning. Through Bible reading, through prayer, through feeding the spiritual part of our life. And that's what made our lives glow. Ask yourself the question, when you walked out of this building, how light far would your light shine? Do you take inventory of your life? How far would it shine? Is your light shining just enough that only you can see where you're going and people that are sitting in darkness cannot even see you or know where you're at or is your life light such that they can see you from the darkness because of the vibrancy, the intensity of your Christian life it's a question that you have to answer for yourself I can't answer that I have to answer it for myself and sometimes I wonder when I ask myself the question what do I have to offer to the darkness I am an ambassador of light I can offer light and hope but my light has to be shining has to be vibrant number 4 what can we give to the darkness recognize we need to recognize that we are this is a battle This is not something to be taken lightly. I read the verse out of Ephesians. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So we have to ask the question, if we are not wrestling against flesh and blood, against real physical people, then with what are we wrestling And I don't know if I should take a lot of time to go back into the book of Daniel, but we could go back there and we could look at that passage where Daniel is seeking the face of God and he's praying. And he prays for 20-some days, a couple of weeks. And when the angel finally got to Daniel, the angel said, I heard you the first time you started to pray. But he said, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me and I remained there with the king of Persia. And I don't know if I can totally answer what all that is referencing or talking about. Other than I believe tonight that there is a battle that has taken place in the heavenlies that we know very little about. But I also believe tonight that as Christians, we play a part in that battle. Jesus said in Mark nine twenty nine, the disciples came to him and they were trying to cast out a demon and they couldn't do it. And they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, help us. And Jesus cast out the demon. The disciples looked at Jesus and said, why couldn't we cast him out? And what was Jesus' response? This kind cometh forth only, only, only by prayer and fasting. Nothing physical in that fight, but very much spiritual. Prayer and fasting. This kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. And when we look at those folks sitting in darkness, we have to understand the spiritual battle that is taking place around us. If there are spiritual victories that are only going to be won through f- prayer and fasting, then we need to recognize that. And that means we need to burn with some spiritual intensity. That To be real frank and honest, sometimes I struggle with And I wonder, are there spiritual battles that are being lost because of my lack of fervency? Some of you may know who I'm talking about, but there was a sister who was praying for a wayward brother. And she was, I think she Dedicated once or twice a week to prayer and fasting for her wayward brother. And prayed for him for years, I believe it was. Prayer and fasting. And today that wayward brother is a bishop in a Mennonite church. This kind comes forth only by prayer and fasting. let's go back to that analogy that I was using you as a Christian are an ambassador of the light your life is shining out light and there are those that are sitting in darkness and if we recognize the spiritual battle we need to recognize what is going on in the heavenlies and I, I don't want to Enter into conjecture tonight and things we don't know and understand. But I think scripture is clear enough that we can draw some conclusions. And my conclusions are this. There is a person that is sitting in darkness. And he's surrounded by messengers of darkness. The angels of darkness. And they have him closed in on all sides. And he is blinded from the glorious gospel. And he is sitting in darkness. And you think about tonight. That friend you know. That person you know. Maybe it's a family member who is sitting in darkness. Surrounded by the messengers of darkness. And maybe... Maybe you gather with the saints on a Wednesday evening for prayer, if you do that. Maybe you feel that's not necessary. But if you gather together with the saints for prayer on a midweek meeting, and someone brings up that friend or that family member who's sitting in darkness and the saints of God get together and they pray. And they're praying, pouring out their hearts for that person sitting in darkness. And now is when that battle without starts. I believe there are messengers of light that go and they do battle with the messengers of darkness that have surrounded that person that is sitting in darkness. And as they are doing battle, there is a, a, a little path that has opened up. And that person that is sitting in darkness can see out. And maybe they can glimpse the light. And maybe it's the first time in a long time they have seen the light. And the saints go home and they go back to work. And the darkness closes in again. And maybe there's a few saints that are going to spend some extra time in prayer and fasting. And again, that battle takes place and the messengers of light to do battle with the angels of darkness. And again, that path is opened and they can see the light. But you know, there's one thing we cannot do. We cannot reach in there and pull those people out. We cannot do that. But we have given them the opportunity to get up and walk toward the light because that path is opened. We have given them the opportunity to leave the darkness and walk toward the light. It's a battle. And I wonder if when we walk out and our light is shining, if the messengers of darkness don't try to surround us and close in our light and hide our light from the people that might see. I know, I know the messengers of darkness try to corrupt your light as angels of light. That's scriptural. And I know they try to Deceive with false lights. <coughs> if you're here tonight and you're an older person and you feel like there's not much I can do in this battle without, you are very wrong. You're a very valuable part. I thought about this back there over COVID when some of our older people were sitting in their elderly care homes and they couldn't go out and we couldn't go visit. And maybe there was a battle taking place there because I know we spent time in our prayer meetings praying for our elderly people sitting in those kind of situations. And so maybe as we were praying, the ministers of light went and ministered to their discouragement there. And maybe that had revived in them a passion to get engaged in the battle again. And maybe they entered into prayer for those that are sitting in darkness. And now the angels of light have another job. My son reminded me that I didn't finish a story from this morning. I talked about Ron Hubbard and Scientology and Dianetics. And they were promoting this on the street right beside where we were singing. And one of the things that they they do in promotion of this whole thing is they they sit down, they call it a stress test that's what they called it. I don't really think it was. What, what it really is is it was it was a meter. It was something that was supposed to measure the, the responses of your brain and how overloaded your brain was so that it could more clear up your mind to direct it, to focus it, to get rid of this evil that's in you. Very, very twisted logic. But there was a man sitting there uh, he had his hands. It was a Spanish man. He had his hands gripped on these two metal bars, and he was he was getting his stress test. And we were beside singing. And as this man was holding on, getting his stress test, our group started singing in Spanish. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And this man, he's there holding. And he hears the song start and resonates with him in Spanish. And he looks over at the group. And all of a sudden he gets this big smile on his face and he starts to sing along. I just had to wonder what that meter would have been registering about that time. The glorious gospel message of Jesus Christ is going out. And you and I play a vital part in it. And there is a battle. And I hope tonight that you have been revived in your heart a little bit more to engage in the battle that is taking place around us and to burn in a fervency in your spiritual life that can engage in that battle and be part of it. Over our last election, one of the key phrases that I kept hearing being throughout out from both sides was that we are in a battle for the soul of our nation. Well, the battle for the soul of a nation will not be won by the greatest politician. It will not be won by the loudest voice. It will not be won by the greatest argument. The battle for the soul of our nation will only be won when there, there are those that see the glorious gospel message of Jesus Christ and respond to that. God bless you tonight. and I'll turn it back over to our local minister.